Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. So, we've got one more to go. We have one more Shabbat. Uh, and this is it, before Rosh Hashanah, before the High Holidays. And so today's message should be the shortest. Um, first of all, because you already know it. But it is the most important message that we will give related to the High Holidays. We, that's me and the Holy Spirit, I guess. And most difficult because it's kind of scary and it hurts a little bit too. But by review, we've talked along the way in the last three weeks about some steps uh, in, in the descent and the ascent. We talked about being honest. We talked about redeeming the mistake. We talked about changing it. And we talked last week, ended up talking about practicing gratitude. And so number five, and you know there had to be five. Why would there be five? Right. Both. Both. Any guesses on what the last step of our ascent might be? Anyone? Restitution. What's another word for that? Let me, let me throw something, let, let me without saying the exact word. Here's the definition of number five. Stop feeling angry or resentful toward someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Definition two, cancel a debt. The last stop on our tour of the Elul, every descent is for a future offense, a future ascent. The last stop is forgive. Oh man, not this again. Well, let me make a deal with you. Here's, here's the deal. If you have forgiveness down so good that you don't think you need to listen to anything I'm about to say, just take some notes because clearly Hashem has chosen you to be available for everyone else in the world who actually struggles with this. If you have not locked this thing down yet, then I think we have something to learn today. We defined it above. Stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. That's easy, right? And that should be the end of the teaching, and we can all go home. And I told you it should be short because that's easy, but it's not easy. As a matter of fact, it's one of the hardest things we do. Part of that is because of a misunderstanding of what forgiveness actually is, which I'll come back to. But... What, what is so bad about unforgiveness? What's so bad about unforgiveness? It eats you inside out. It's pretty potent. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. 
Oh, from the medical and scientific side. This is my friend Ruel that I've not seen in I don't know how many years, and I just noticed that he's sitting there. Pardon me. We have It Eats You Alive. We have it as the single greatest source of human pathology. Why? Stress and just eating you inside, literally. What'd you say? Bitterness? Relationships are destroyed. These are all pretty good. It makes me bitter, unhappy. I'm unwilling to risk anything in life. It paralyzes me in relationships, and we could get even more serious if we want to go biblical on this thing. Matthew 6 says, He, Yeshua says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What comes next? But if you don't, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Oh my goodness, man, we... That's intense. That's pretty compelling. And, and, the, and there is always someone who says, but you have no idea what I've been through. You don't know my situation, so you sit up there and you talk about it. You don't know. And the truth of the matter is, if you knew every story in this room, There are stories in this room that would bring us all to our knees, gut-wrenching tears of pain for what another human being has been through. Stories of abuse, stories of neglect, stories that would just break us. And the person says, I can't forget it. I, I don't want to forget it. It protects me. It keeps me safe. That person took part of my life. And I understand that. But I also understand the truth, and there is a truth. And we all know from our Bibles that the truth will do what? What's so bad about unforgiveness is everything you said and what it does on so many levels. And we've all heard this analogy, right? This, this, that when for, holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the other person. We've all heard that, right? Well, I want to take it to another level. Because who really uses poison today? I want to give you a better picture. You're driving... Well, you're not driving yet because you woke up on Sunday and it wasn't 97. It was 70 degrees outside. The sun was shining. You said, I am going for a drive today. I just want to get in my car, put the windows down, the sunroof back, and I want to drive. And you're doing that. And you get on the road and it's just nice and the air is blowing and it's everything you wanted and you're coming through a little intersection there, and bam! 55 miles an hour, not looking, driver's side, collision. You are crushed in the car. The car wraps around you, but you don't know any of that because you're 
out. And when you wake up, you're in the intensive care unit, and there are wires and connections all over you, and you're in immense, horrible, horrible pain, and you look around, and you don't remember anything, but all you see groggily, you see your family, and they're looking at you, and you can see from the concerned looks on their faces, this is not good, but you still don't really know, and all you can, you can faintly hear someone say, you're going to be just fine, but you don't feel fine. You are in pain. And it seems like months in that journey from ICU to the regular hospital room, and they they keep telling you you're getting better, but you don't feel better. And there are better days, of course, but there's always the pain. And certain situations and certain movements bring it out in such a way that it's just unbearably painful. It still hurts. And the doctor's recommending now that that you should have physical therapy to get through this. And it's gonna it's gonna be long and it's gonna hurt and you're going to hate it. And you ask yourself, will this ever end? And we've arrived here at the moment of choice. This is the the place that everyone has to come. And we need to go back at the moment of choice. We need to go back, all the way back to the Sunday drive when when everything was okay. And it it was better than okay. It was good. And my life was in order. And and I, I was happy. And I didn't have this pain. And that person took it from me. Reckless, careless idiot took that from me. And what is the choice? We cannot change what has been done, but we can change the future. And you will make the choice to either give that person control over your future forever or you will choose to take it back with God's help. And the doctor's recommendation of physical therapy to undo this damage will be long and painful, but it will be worth it. And when it's said and done, you may still have the occasional bout of discomfort or temporary aches, but you will take your life back. And in more ways than one, you will be back in the driver's seat. Or the alternative. I cannot 
I cannot move forward. I've come as far as I can go. There's nothing left. And now we find the worst actual part of unforgiveness. You asked yourself before, will this pain ever end? And if you make that choice, the answer is no, it will not. You will live forever in pain. Viktor Frankl, when describing in Man's Search for Meaning the worst part of being a prison, a prisoner in a concentration camp, it wasn't even so much the physical, that was horrible, that was hell, but the mental anguish of being a prisoner in a place where there is no specified end to the torture. There's no, there's no term what he describes as provisional existence. The prisoner had no potential end to the suffering. What laid ahead of them was an uncertain and unlimited life in this camp. And it destroyed their inner workings. And interestingly, as a side note, he says you could always tell someone who had, who had given up because the prisoners weren't allowed to smoke but there were cigarettes and if they could get one, if they were caught, who only knew, but you knew when someone had allowed their internal workings to get the best of them because they would just sit down and light a cigarette, knowing that it was certain death. The worst part of this decision is that you'll never escape it. One miserable day to the next, one hurt to the next. And to get back to that idea of choice, therapy for us in this analogy, which clearly you can see, is a spiritual one. And we make this decision that we are the masters of our own fate. If only and even only in this one choice, we are the masters of our fate with God's help. We can choose, as Frankel says, the end of the torment. He was never in his own mind a prisoner in a concentration camp. He had a greater purpose. He had something that he needed to do. The end result in our example of not moving forward, not taking the therapy, not going through the process, not doing is it, you'll, you'll never drive again. There's too much fear You'll live with pain and someone else made that choice for you. That can't be. But I want to clarify forgiveness. Great story, great story, Rabbi, I get it. Car wreck is the hurt, painful recovery, physical therapy, it's hard, but we get better. All fine and good for some, but as I said, you don't know my story and it's not that easy. Okay, well, let's make sure we know what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not embracing the offender as your best friend. Oh, you, 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 you hit me at 55. You wrapped a car. Get in here. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was thinking about Judas this week when I was thinking about forgiveness. I don't recall anywhere in the scriptures where Yeshua says, at the Last Supper, 
hey, Judas, I know what you got to do. Listen, go do it. Go do what you got to do and get back here. I forgive you. Go get it done, big guy. Come on back. And I never remember one time where Yeshua says to the apostles, guys, this is going to hit Judas real hard. I want you to be there for him tomorrow. I really, you know, I really want you to gather around him and give him a big hug and say, it's going to be just fine, Judas. I don't remember that anywhere in the Bible. Did Judas repent? Yes, actually. The Bible says he did. How did he do it? The wrong way. Matthew 27, then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Listen to what they say. What is that to us? See to it yourself. He repented, but never to Yeshua. There was time, there was still time. Yeshua was not dead. He could have, but he didn't. And he never received forgiveness. And my point, of course, is there are people in your life who have hurt you so desperately that you do not need to concern yourself with them. Do you hear me? Now listen, 70 times 7, Damien, I get that. When someone comes to you to repent and, and, and try to reconcile and then you close the door of forgiveness on them, that's something different. And now we got to go back to Matthew 6 because there's a real problem facing us, right? But you do not have to take the definition of forgiveness that says, ah, oh, it's all good. Get in here, big guy. Come on, you tried to kill me. Don't worry about it. But you can't hold on to the pain they've caused you. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting. I've told you this before. I stand by it. If you forget what you learn, you are stupid. And that's just it. That idea is stupid. When you touch a hot oven, ah! And guess what? You're careful next time. What's the option? Maybe I shouldn't touch the oven. How about this? How about if I touch the oven and go, ah! And then I say, Father, I pray that I forget that that ever happened so that I can forgive this oven. And, and, and God, ah! Father, I pray that I forget that I... If you want to live with your hands and fingertips scorched and burned for the rest of your life because you never learn, because you think forgiving is, forgiving is forgetting, don't shake my hand. Golly, that is so hardcore. This is real, people. This is life. This is how life works. The Torah is real. I'm real. What I'm telling you is real. Would it be easier if we never forgot, if we forgot it? Maybe until it happens again. And that's the number three thing. Do not act like it never happened. You have 
from your car wreck, you have scars and injuries to remind you that it happened. Well, you're saying I'm going to live in torment every time I see it. No, that's your choice. But don't act like it didn't happen. Will we drive differently after that wreck? Yes. Will we approach intersections differently after that wreck? Yes. Will we be more attentive to the drivers around us? Yes, because we're rational, reasonable creatures that God made to be that way. But we will still drive. We will still approach intersections. We will still function and live happily because it's not acting like it never happened. How do you want me to do that, Damien? Seriously, how? Tell me, Rabbi. Well, there's this definition I think I read on Chabad once. Forgiveness does not mean that we condone negative behavior, nor do we just forget or ignore the hurt, but we can and need to let go of the anger. Good, very, very good. Forgiveness asks us to see beyond the limits of our personality and that of the, or that of the person who injured us. In our act of forgiveness, we substitute compassion for blame and we trust ourselves and God that we have grown and will continue to grow from the pain and challenges we've experienced. That also sounds good. That's really, 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 really difficult. I want to give you a little additional insight. And it may sound familiar. You ready for number one? How do I do this? Be honest. Be honest. Accept the hurt. Acknowledge what pain has done to you. Acknowledge that what's done cannot be undone. Acknowledge what it has taken from you. Has the hurt you've experienced kept you in the metaphorical ICU? Has it kept you from getting behind the wheel? Has it caused you to inflict pain on others? I'm reading this uh, amazing book about the high holidays called This is Real. And you are totally unprepared by Rabbi Alan Liu. He's kind of a crazy, like, well, he's, may his memory be for a blessing. He's departed, but he's, he's like a, uh, he, he, he had a synagogue in San Francisco. Let's leave it there. Has it caused you to inflict pain on others, or a big one, yourself? There's a quote in that book that says, forgiveness that has been said means giving up our hopes for a better past. I read that to Kelly. She's like, I don't even like that. I don't understand that. What are you talking about? Forgiveness means giving up our hopes for a better past. And Alan Liu says, this may sound like a joke. But many of us refuse to give up our version of the past. We won't be honest. And we find it impossible to forgive others or ourselves. Impossible to act in the present. That is so good. Forgiveness begins with being honest. Number two, redeem it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it does not define you. 
And people allow that so easily when they have a failure or something. They allow things that should never be able to attach themselves to you, to become your your outer shell, to define you inside and out. As I said, even in the concentration camp, Viktor Frankl was not a, a concentration camp prisoner. He was something else. He was something with a meaning. He was something with a purpose. He had to find the good. Somehow he had to search out this meaning and that was hard to do. And I might suggest that for a concentration camp prisoner, I don't think any of us in here have gone through anything on that level. And yet, it can be done that you can redeem the deepest, darkest hurts that live within you. Number three, change it. And we talked about earlier, the moment of choice. The road to recovery is a hard one, but the alternative is that the pain will never end. It will never end. It can't be dismissed. It can't be ignored. It can't be pushed down. It must be dealt with, changed. And that means letting go. How do I let it go? How do you want me to let this go? When we face an unchangeable situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Well, that sounds easy. I know it's not easy, but you got to do it. You got to do it. We choose a different path. We also then, number four, we practice gratitude in this process. <laughs> you, you now want me to be grateful for it? Not for, not for it or the it's, not for the things that you've suffered, but for the fact that God gave you the opportunity and the strength to recover from whatever it is. Whatever it is, that defines Romans 8, 28. We really, really, with God's help, we can change. We can practice gratitude We have a loving father, a Messiah who sticks closer than a brother and the comforter, the Holy Spirit that was given to walk with us. We can change Frankel again, personal tragedy into human triumph. You can. You have the opportunity to choose the course of your life and become a stronger, more beautiful human being in the process. So we're going to be honest. We're going to redeem it. We're going to change it. We're going to practice gratitude and we are going to find freedom in forgiving whatever, wherever, whenever, however, why ever, we're going to find freedom in forgiving. It's for you. It's for you. It's okay to have something be for you for once. Well, you're talking about, and and, and, you know, you have to make it a habit. You're talking about this big, massive, traumatic incident, this car wreck thing. What about the little fender benders that we have every day? Same rules apply. Even better to practice these same rules every day so that things do not build up. And you're bound up. And sometimes, and here's the most difficult part, sometimes we let this turn toward God. And our anger and our lack of forgiveness turns toward our Heavenly Father. And we say, you love me? You love me? 
and you let this happen to me? Seriously? (laughs) You're the sovereign God of the universe who loves me, and this is how you show it? I want to paint one last picture for you today. That car wreck thing was kind of morbid, but, but I hope you got the point. So we had this we had this Slichot event, the prayers before the high holidays last year, last Saturday with the blacksmith. And, you know, it's, it was cool. It was really cool. But he, he started and he took this metal rod and it didn't look like this. It was actually kind of square. It didn't have any shape or form to it. But this gives you an idea of kind of where he started with. And he took this metal rod and he he had made this fire and, of course, he jabbed it in the coals. 1,800 degrees in there. And he pulls it out and holds it up and it's like bright red, glowing red. And, of course, I had this message on my mind. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, Hashem. That is like what happens to us when someone you pull it out because what's the option? You can't live with a spear stuck in you, can you? You can't live with a metal rod, so you pull it out, and what is it? It's red. It's blood. It's your blood. It's evidence of pain inflicted on you, a wound that someone jabbed into you and you pull it out. And guess what we find now? I saw him pull that, pull that out and I'm envisioning, you know, us. You're back at the moment of choice right now because someone inflicted this pain and you took it out. But now what are you holding your hand? A weapon, an even more dangerous weapon, because now not only can you stab people with it, you can touch them and you can burn them with this this instrument, this weapon that was used to hurt you, you can hurt others with it now. But there's another choice. We can take this instrument of pain and we can hand it to the blacksmith. And we know who our blacksmith is. And he can take it from you. And he is going to put it back in the fire. And he's going to heat it up. And that's what, that's what happened here. And so he took, the, he took the thing and put it back and it heated up to 1,800 degrees again. And he's, he's banging it and clanging it and hammering it, sometimes soft, sometimes hard. And I'm thinking about us going through the process of trying to let God deal with things. And sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's soft and it's loud. And it's... But as he was doing this, he actually turned it it didn't turn into anything except now he was rounding it out. Now it had a square, like a point on it, and it really looked dangerous. And he stuck it back in 
And that's how it feels sometimes for us when we're dealing with hurt. Just when you think it's done, it back in and heat it up and take it out and hammer it and bang it and bang it. And you're saying, God, will this ever end? And just when you think it won't, he's done banging on it. And he finally pulls it out and something has changed. He's creating something. He's forming what was rough and hard, sharp metal weapon, and you are allowing this to happen. And each time a transformation is taking place. Each time something's happened and the blacksmith has finished his work and he hands you something. And he says, I know it was a weapon. I know what it was. I know it was painful, but because you gave it to me, I redeemed it. I changed it. You let me, and I'm faithful to do it. And I want to tell you something, son or daughter. The pain that someone inflicted on you, it became the raw material for something beautiful that I needed to work. And he took that and turned it into this. It's a leaf. It's made out of the very same metal that went into the fire. And he hands it to you and he says, you know what? It's a leaf. You can turn it over. Oh, don't do that, Damien. That's so cheesy. No. Seriously, listen. He hands you something that we didn't have before, something that we had to suffer through to actually get. And you ask yourself, all that for this? But here's the thing. It's not really just the leaf. It is on its own just a leaf. And to others, it may not actually look that special, but the process made it beautiful. And you know who knows about it? Only you and the blacksmith. It's your journey. It's yours. He redeemed it. And he gave you something that you may not have even known you needed, but you'll always have it. These are the days, my friends, to hand the hurts to the blacksmith. And take something beautiful in return. And I'll end right here. Good message, Rabbi. I get it. What's up with the clothes? <laughs> Jeans and t shirt to Shabbat services. There's a lot of lessons here that I've been teaching you, unbeknownst to you. 
You see, some might have noticed, it's maybe, maybe a little bit haughty to make this assumption, but, and I don't expect that you'll recall it week by week, but some may have noticed there's been a degradation in the quality of my clothing. Four weeks ago, I wore a three-piece suit. The next week, I wore a jacket. Last week, I wore a polo shirt and khakis, and today, I wore this. Why? Why, Irvin? We are descending. This is a subtle communication, but there's one thing if you didn't notice. One point to notice is you got to be aware because this is the same thing that happens in our lives. When we start out here and without being aware, we begin to lose something. We begin to lose what what mattered. And you show up looking like you just don't care because sometimes you just don't. Some may have broken last week's rule and judged the clothing and indirectly judged me. Remember, judge not. Why would he dress like that on Shabbat? He's the rabbi, for goodness sakes. Remember that you may not always know what's going on behind the outer appearance. And some have said, well, as a matter of fact, one said it when I walked in the room. Well, if he can dress like that, I'm sure as heck not going to show up looking nice here. Don't do that. But here's the message and the conclusion to all the stuff we've been talking about. Shabbat is for honoring, and we do give our best, and we look our best for the king, except what if it's just a facade? What if? What if we've, we've fallen away from him? What if... This outward appearance doesn't mean a doggone thing. And I hear people say all the time, well, man, that's why I wear shorts and t-shirt to synagogue or to church because you know what? God doesn't care. That's also not very smart. What if it is just for looks? This is actually the best thing I can do for God right now. Do you know why? Because we are and have descended down to the place where we did the things that I talked about and we stripped off the layers and the facades and we peel the onion. I bring myself... And I'm encouraging you to bring yourself back to him. Even if this, this three-piece suit, outer, snazzy, GQ appearance is gone and I'm just an old, 
gray-bearded, white t-shirt, jeans-wearing-looking scumbag. At least I'm honest before God. And that's what it's about. So yes, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt because God is examining our hearts on the inside. And for this season right now, we're going to close with my new favorite Elul High Holiday Scripture from the book of Lamentations, which is not very uplifting, but there are some gems in there if you dig. And one is in chapter 3, verse 40, where it says, Nachbasa dorachenu. Let us examine our ways. Let us put them to the test and return to the Lord. This has been our process, aided by the Holy Spirit in our searching and our testing. And tomorrow night, my friends, by the calendar's reckoning, We've finished the month of Elul coming up soon. We've descended for the sake of a now present ascent into the high holidays. And we move into the holy month of Tishrei, hopefully, having laid down our outer facades and opened our heart to Him. And the gate will open and the king will take his throne. And he awaits you, his people, to return to him. Shabbat shalom. L'shana tova, tikatvu v'techatemu. May you all be inscribed and sealed for a good year. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makinmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening. 